I, I'm ridiculously achy. <laughs> but, oh no! What happened? Uh, Jujitsu. Um, oh okay. Like it, it's mostly well, I can't say self-inflicted because it's other people. But um, it, so I did yesterday and today as far as classes go. And yesterday uh, was more technically it's the uh, advanced class, and uh, we did roughly half the class like learning a technique and then the, the second half it was four six minute rounds of sparring with a minute and a half in between and that I, sounds more like the roughly side of the class yeah <laughs> it uh it was definitely it took its toll on me it, it was a little more than I, well i average two to three when we do sparring after class anyway so it wasn't that different it was just this was more the combination of everything was just rougher, I think. So I'm I'm bruised up more than normal. That's what it comes down to. Okay. So as I did another thing, um, uh, is it uh, with uh, damaging a finger or some other body part of yours? No. So uh, did this you buy is, a new computer? I did not buy a computer. I uh, I and I don't remember which episode it was. It was th- uh, not long after we moved into this house. I had mentioned that. Uh, my uh, throughput was now bottlenecked by my distribution switch. And so I finally decided to get the uh, higher throughput switch. And I I don't have it actually all cabled up and everything. I have it hooked up and uh, managed by the software, but I didn't want to start monkeying with connectivity before we recorded. Wow, that's good. That's good. Um, And then tomorrow, is that a... uh... You did. You're doing a thing tomorrow that uh, is that spur of the moment kind of thing. More or less, yeah. We um, so tomorrow is my birthday. Uh, just I know for transparency on the recording. Um, and it's not very often that we have my birthday with having my son spending time with his grandparents, and so we decided we don't have to worry about having a kid. Let's just drive down to the beach for a day and drive back. Forty-four, right? Yes. My happy birthday. Thank you. I was going to wait until tomorrow. Actually, I saw, I was thinking about it today, uh, and I was like, do I say it today or do I say it tomorrow? Well, you know, nothing is precluding, or nothing is preventing me from saying it uh, both days. That's true. Yeah. Um, Did you do anything else? Not so far. Um, Is the 24 for how many ports you got? It is, yeah. Ah, I should have. I don't know. I looked. I didn't think anything about it at first. <laughs> I mean, it was it was almost invisible to me. Yeah, I uh, I figured either it would be something that you immediately latched onto, or it would be a oh, that's what it was kind of moment. Yep. <laughs> Excuse me. It was a ladder. Um, um, the the one other thing that I had that was just a kind of a really small blurb. Um, I know is the one above it. It is. It's uh. Yeah. I was gonna, it, that was, there was where I was going next. It completely caught me off guard uh so for anyone who is not familiar with roy wood jr uh this comes from one of his uh, (laughs) i did watch that (laughs) yeah and uh this particular line is um uh, say what you want about death but as a crisis management tool dot 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 um because the i think the full quote was something along the lines of it it can't really be beat you know because uh 
somebody dies before <laughs> allegations or anything. It's like, oh, we don't want to speak ill of the dead kind of thing, you know. Um, and uh, he was talking about how Hugh Hefner kicked the bucket right at the right time. Uh, I didn't realize Hugh Hefner died. Yeah. he. Uh, My world has not changed. Yeah, mine hadn't either. Um, and I wouldn't have, I, I probably wouldn't have paid that much attention if it hadn't been in the skit. Because <laughs> uh, uh, he talked about how uh, they were about to have all the playmates coming out against him in, oh, in yeah, line yeah. with the Me Too movement and everything. And uh, yeah. like a week before the, whatever was supposed to be public, he died. And it's um, been seven, I mean, it's been six years almost. Yeah. I didn't even. Know. I, I do remember it because of the Me Too thing, but I I, I uh, totally forgot that he died. He was ninety one. Yeah, and that was a really funny skit, though. So I, I I'll, I'll put a link of, to that in the show notes for somebody to watch because I I did laugh quite a bit at that one. I'm gonna have to go back and watch his other specials over time. I watched it too. I quite I enjoyed it quite a lot. It was good. That's all I have for the small little stuff. And then I, I had this one article that caught my attention that I put a bunch of notes in that I don't know if how much of it would actually be something to you know quote or talk about in detail. But the the overall concept of the ruling, and, and in fairness, I, I should emphasize this was an opinion piece as well, um, but I, I, it does not miss the mark at all for me on interpretation of the Supreme Court ruling. Um, so it, opinion or not, I think it's a, a very fair analysis. And this bugged me quite a bit, and I would think it should bug anybody that truly thinks about it for even a passing moment. Um, and I thought it would make maybe an interesting topic, and I, I don't know if it would necessarily be all that interesting or if it was just going to be a lot of yeah this is kind of horrible and, and move on kind of thing i figured i would give a, a moment i didn't know if you'd had a chance to actually yeah. read it yeah i guess i could do a, a quick summary of the the high level points real quick maybe that would be easier so the uh, the case was counterman versus colorado or counterman v colorado and the supreme court majority describes it uh describes its holding in that case as a vindication of the First Amendment and a principled defense of free speech. But the details of the case don't match up to that and as far as the way I interpret it either. And so the case is about a, a six-year stalking campaign by a man who was determined to insert himself into a woman's life without her consent. And... And at a high level, over those six years, uh, Counterman being the, uh, I, I don't think they've referred to him as a stalker, so I don't necessarily want to you know, be potentially held liable for slander or something else. So let's just say um, the man in question uh, targeted the woman with thousands of unwanted messages, asked, asked her questions about her personal life. Uh, insinuated that he was physically surveilling her, telling her he wanted her to die. Uh, and the woman in question had no idea who this man was. Uh, so this was not face-to-face contact uh, or what he looked like. Uh, so apparently there were never any pictures exchanged either. 
uh, or sent. Um, she became more and more anxious about uh, performing live music and connecting with fans because she wasn't sure if this person would be in the audience, uh, tried to ignore the messages, and then eventually discovered that this person had been arrested twice for threatening women with bodily harm uh, previously, so she contacted law enforcement. Law enforcement did uh, and a rare move for law enforcement, unfortunately, in these types of cases. They actually uh, investigated and identified Counterman, eventually arrested him, and did convict him, convict him of stalking. So I, I thought I had read that in there, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, that, um, that's good, but it's I was going to say it's unfortunate that that is a rarity. Right. Um, and then, unfortunately also for uh, people going forward, the the case with the or in I'll continue this trajectory and then we'll come back to this. So the the counterman was convicted of stalking, um, and to emphasize why this is important, in nearly half of uh, all reported cases, police don't take any action at all or only make arrests and only make arrests in a tiny fraction. But more than half of all female homicide victims are stalked before they are killed. So having uh, countermen arrested and convicted uh, was very much a potential life-saving uh, yeah. action in this type of case. Unfortunately, though, as a result of the Supreme Court ruling, that's no longer something that could happen if the determination is not made that the person in this case, the man conducting these uh, behaviors is not shown to understand or recognize malicious intent. Um, and I don't know if that's the best way to summarize it, but it, what it comes down to is the more deranged you, quote unquote, that you as a, a someone committing these types of behaviors are, where you believe your actions are desired and wanted, and uh, are not offensive and are not you know, frightening, the more protected you are under this ruling. Because it's basically requiring a knowledgeable recognition of malicious intent on the part of the person conducting the behaviors, which is absolutely bonkers. I agree. And I, I've I kind of racked my head trying to think of how you would compare that to something. And the, the best comparison I've been able to come up with is a person pulls out a gun, points it at somebody else, pulls the trigger five times, and then pleads a case of, I didn't know it was going to hurt them. I thought they wanted to be shot. And that would be, it's not the same, but that would be a fairly similar comparison in my mind. And it's, there is no other scenario that I can think of where there is legal protection for forcibly applying your desires and wants and beliefs and views and everything else onto someone who does not want them at all. I mean, it's, it's the very definition of harassment. And so I, this one, I really just don't get how, unless there is something very 
succinct that I am completely missing from this. And I, one thing that I had meant to do and failed to, to do is to go read the actual um, ruling itself instead of relying on, you know, the, the analysis like, here. Yeah. Because it, it could very well be that there's a, a leap of faith in, or a leap of, you can call it a leap of faith, in the interpretation of something written and the analysis provided without having the uh, original write-up as, as context. So I do acknowledge that it may not be as absolutely asinine as it seems at face value. Man, does it seem wrong at face value. It does. I mean, well, looking at the article title, um, it's a bit of a, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's clickbait. Um, but, you know, I like, I like Slate. Um, but was it, um, uh, apologizing for my uh, lack of knowing here, but was, was there any sort of legal, anyone that gave like, um, reasonable legal analysis of, uh, the, res- the, the ruling? Not that I, not that I unearthed so far. Um, the the one line that made me think this might be relatively on the mark as far as interpretation goes was that uh, there's a, a quote that Justice Elena Kagan's majority opinion focused on the hypothetical fear of hypothetical speakers whose speech could hypothetically be mistaken for threats instead of the um, instead of specifically referencing anything documented scientifically or or you know and as far as the uh, statistics or, or cases and all go it very much focused on this is an example or theoretical example of uh, how this could be applied negatively that we're wanting to prevent kind of thing, which in fairness, I can understand part of that argument because if someone was to, you know, be angry and say, you know, I hope you die and you take that as a death threat, that's a very different thing than someone who launches a six year campaign to insert themselves into your life. You know, it's, there's a, I can see a desire to protect, oh, I am hot-tempered and I said something in the heat of the moment that I shouldn't have, that shouldn't destroy my life with legal ram, you know, implications, especially if I have a history of, I might say something stupid, but then, you know, cool off and apologize or whatever, you know, like the, a recognition that, look, I, I have bad times and I'm sorry, you know, kind of thing. It's always just a verbal slip up. Shouldn't be said. I'll try to do better. I understand wanting to protect people from feeling like they can't say anything to an extent. Yeah. That's not what this seems like it's targeting. And it's definitely not what the facts of the case support. And that's where I have a tough time accepting that the, uh, analysis here isn't somewhat on point. Now it may it may be skewed a bit too far, um, but I can't see how someone who was, uh, you know, legitimately convicted of stalking and threatening behavior suddenly gets a clean slate because of hypothetical 
protection of free speech. It just, that's a, a huge stretch for me, especially when you're not talking about an isolated occurrence. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, the, you know, another fear that I have is that what kind of repercussions will this have with, uh, you know, bullying? Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, there, I would feel maybe not quite as bad, but barely not quite as bad if we had a better mental health, um, uh, uh, provide a better mental health, um, treatment and access to, uh, services for mental health in this country. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a, you know, it's such a weird thing to, you know, protect this kind of behavior. Like I understand, like I understand how, um, when, uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned, I understand, I understood where that was coming from. I don't understand where this is coming from. Um, it it's 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 not okay to be this way. You know, <laughs> it's not okay to not you know to be this way and say these things to people. Um, you know, when you make you know, we've even seen like well, you know, uh, a group of people have been you know incited to violence uh, in cases where um, you know leaders have said no, 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 I wasn't doing that. But uh, I wonder if this is in any way related i had that thought as well and i mean we'll, we'll see but it it sure seems this is, like this would be a preemptive ploy to allow the supreme court to really have kind of free reign on any lawsuits that were appealed up to it surrounding free speech to go in whatever direction they possibly want yeah like it seems like is this a building block to get there to uh and I do think the fact that both of us had that thought independently means that there's at <laughs> least a question mark there about the the motive for this kind of of ruling and again i I want to emphasize I didn't get around to reading the actual write up this I only read the this one article um so I will take that as a a follow up item to at least read the actual uh, majority opinion and see if it I get the same interpretation. Hey, there's a Wikipedia article on it already. It's a 7-2 majority, and the court decided that statements are not free speech if the defendant recklessly disregarded a substantial risk that their statements would be viewed as threatening violence. So let me reread that to, to kind of decipher it. Statements are not free speech if the defendant recklessly disregarded a substantial risk that their statements would be viewed as threatening violence. I mean, that reads a lot like the summary. Um, so the, the write-up here from, from the Wikipedia article, which I'll, I'll include it in the links, um, Beginning in 2010, Billy Counterman sent thousands of messages to singer-songwriter Coles Whalen that foreboded her death and followed her activities. He was convicted of stalking in Colorado. Conviction was left intact by the Colorado Court of Appeals and Colorado Supreme Court. 
Under Colorado law, statements are not free speech if a reasonable person would view the statements as threatening, with no need to prove that the speaker had subjective intent to threaten. So the Supreme Court ruling is basically stating that there has to be a need to prove that the speaker actually had some subjective intent to threaten or the statements could not be considered threatening, which is most definitely... That's ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. So it does say the decision leaves countermen vulnerable to conviction on retrial, but I'm not so sure that would happen because, I mean, proving intent is already a difficult thing in most cases anyway. I'm not 100% certain how you would prove threatening intent if you can't use repeated threatening statements as intent. So I think this just opened up a... a, became a teaser for a follow-up episode. (laughs) Yeah. We have a number of different ways set up for you to get in touch with us to provide feedback, ask questions, or just comment in about something we've discussed. You can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at untitled underscore hosts or shoot an email over to untitled.hosts at gmail.com. Or get in touch directly with jesse at jtheart.com or get in touch with me, John, via telepathy. If you would like to support our work or are interested in listening to our new after show feed, head over to patreon.com slash theuntitledpodcast and take a look at the options we have set up. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And we hope to connect with more of you as we continue this journey. That's a wrap. (laughs) I'm going to go back to uh, the network switch and uh, a couple of things that has has now had a ripple effect that I didn't think through completely. So my, as a result of having the switch, I now have the ability to connect, uh, my, um, router firewall combo, uh, via 10 gig SFP plus module to that switch. Oh, wow. And that's great. But then I don't have, I either have to then go from that switch to the firewall, a device to the old switch or having a uh, that security appliance as a excuse me as an inline transparent bridge, or I have to redo my topology to accommodate a different method of functioning, or move that firewall in between um, and not use the SFP plus module and instead use the two and a half gig uh, Ethernet ports, which. Technically, that's the maximum throughput that I would currently have anyway with the connectivity here. But then I don't have my maximum possible throughput for local stuff. Yeah, I was so, going to say local, local stuff. Are you doing a lot of file transfers locally? No. Like, it's it's really a moot point. I, the, the logical but person... And the logical person would just go ahead and duplicate the previous setup and leverage the 2.5 gig ports. No big deal. They have SFP plus cables. <laughs>
they're just sitting over to the side, and I could use them, and, and uh, you know, why not? So now I have to, before I actually change anything, uh, I need to sit down and actually figure out, is there any real benefit to reworking my overall network topology to allow for that security appliance to stay in transparent bridge mode? Or do I just change the way I have it working on the network so that I still leverage its functionality? Uh, it's just no longer a transparent bridge.